on faith. And, uh, and I don't know how long we'll be on it. We've done five or six sessions on it. We may stay on it. Who knows, the rest of the year, I don't know, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, but notice in verse 32, Hebrews eleven thirty-two. Notice what the Bible says. How much more do I need to say? Because remember, he'd been talking about all the heroes of faith of the Old Testament. Do you remember that? How many of you remember, you remember that? Okay. And he says, it would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephna, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions. Well, that was Daniel, wasn't it? Quenched the flames of fire. That was Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. They escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. Underline that one. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. That was, uh, that was, that was Gideon, I guess. You could put him in there. I mean, remember that? And probably some others. Women received their loved ones back again from death. Others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. So notice today, uh, remember last time we talked about Gideon. Today let's talk about Samson. Samson, he's a hero of faith, Samson. And his weakness was turned to strength, we'll see that. His weakness was turned to strength right at the end of his life. Uh, Of all the people in the uh, Heroes of Faith chapter here, to me, to me personally, Samson seems the most unlikely person that you would place in this list. As you'll see as we study his life. He would seem to be the most unlikely one to be there uh, let me say it another way. If there was somebody that, that I'm scratching my head thinking maybe he shouldn't be in this list, it would be Samson. As you'll see as we go. But yet, I mean, it, it, we'll see, it would seem that he doesn't, he, he doesn't seem to be deserving to be in this list. As we go through here today, you may even wonder, is he, is he even saved? But of course, we know that he, that, he, that he was, and he's in the list, and God put him in the list, so he's in the list, so he's a hero of faith. But did you get what I just said? I'm not saying he shouldn't be there. I'm saying that because he should be there. God put him there. But I, I, of all the, the Abraham and, and Sarah and Noah and Abel and all these others, he would be... Moses, you know, he would be the one that, I mean, I can see why Samuel and David would be there and, you know, but why is Samson in this list, you know, but he is. He was a judge of Israel in the time when everyone did not live according to the word of God. He was a judge of Israel in in a time when everyone was not living according to the word of God. But they were living according to what was right in their own sight. That's a dangerous place to be. And so you need to realize that Samson was called by God and came up in a 
time here when the people were not living according to the word of God, but they were all doing what was right in their own sight. And so we come to Judges, the 13th chapter, and now we'll read in the New King James Version the rest of these verses. And we're just going to kind of go through his life and see, see what we can learn about faith and other things from him. Notice verse 1, again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistine for 40 years. Now, something we need to learn about God right here is that it's possible for his children to do, to do wrong. And when God's children do wrong and, and begin to dabble with sin and continue in it, God will deal with them and deal with them and deal with them. But there'll come a point, and you need to remember this as we go on with this story here. There comes a point when a child of God can play with sin too long. And he'll deliver you into the hand of the enemy. But God's ultimate goal in doing that is to get one to repent. And upon repentance, then God will deliver his children. You need to understand that about how God operates. You understand what I just said? If you dabble and play with sin long enough, God will warn you and warn you and warn you and deal with you and deal with you and deal with you. But there comes a point. Have you ever seen a, a pot of water on the stove that it starts... You turn up the heat and it just bubbles and bubbles. It, you know, it goes slow, but eventually, it, eventually it'll what? It'll, it'll boil over, won't it? I mean, it, it, you know what I'm talking about? I've seen it on the stove where it boils over. And, and that's how God operates. He doesn't bring judgment on his children overnight, in a day, a week, a month, or a year, maybe in a decade. But eventually, God will judge his people, the Bible says, and and he'll deliver you sometimes into the hand of the enemy. Absolutely. But his goal is to get you to repent so that he can bring deliverance to you. So remember that as we go on. Now verse 2 says, Now there was a certain man from Zorah, the fam family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. His, wa his wife was barren and had no children. Now we're going to see this is Samson's parents. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. That's going to be Samson. Samson had a supernatural birth. We need to remember that. Now therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink. Now he's telling this to, this is really the Lord Jesus appearing in the Old Testament. Calls him the angel of the Lord. Now the Lord Jesus is not an angel. You understand that. But sometimes the Old Testament refers to him as, as, as an angel. You understand the second member of the Trinity appearing in the Old Testament. Usually uses a capital A on angel when that's the case. You understand Jesus created the angels. You understand that. But sometimes the Bible in the Old Testament will refer to him as the angel of the Lord. This was the, now sometimes angels appear in the Old Testament. And it's, it, they're just angels, you see. But this case it was the Lord, the second member of the Trinity appearing. 
And he says, indeed, now you're barren and have borne no children, verse 3, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now, therefore, verse 4, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall, you'll conceive and bear a son. Notice this, no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite. See, a Nazarite, that was a, that was a, a special calling that some people in the Old Testament had. It was a calling of God. And, and, and Samson had this call on his life before he was ever born. This call was there. It was the call of the Nazarite. He's to be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Now, this Nazarite, let me just tell you about it. This Nazarite vow, or this Nazarite calling... Um, there's three parts to it. Number one, you can find it in the book of Numbers, but no wine or other strong drink could be consumed. The second one, you could not go near a dead body, nor could you, certainly couldn't go near it, much less touch it. And your hair could not be cut. So the first one, no wine or other strong drink. If you had this calling on your life, no wine or other strong drink for your entire life. You could, go, you could not go near a dead body. It's very important you understand these things. You could, there was no what? No wine or other strong drink. You got that? Can't go near a dead body, much less touch one. And your hair could not be shaven or cut. Now, let me just say this, because if you ask people about Samson, what you're going to get most people talk about is his hair, his long hair. Is that right? And, and rightly so. It's a, it's a big thing with him. And Samson and Delilah and how she had his hair cut and he lost his strength. Most, most people understand that and they, they've heard that somewhere along. Even out in the world, they've heard of Samson and Delilah and all of that. And it's taught in Sunday school and, and that's all good. But let me just tell you this. Now let me read from my notes here. Many think Samson's long hair was the source of his supernatural strength. But this is not the case. His strength came, and we'll see this, his strength came from the Spirit of the Lord coming upon him and his yielding to that power. His hair, however, was a symbol that he was being true to his vow to the Lord. His hair was vitally important, though. And it needed to be there for the Lord to empower him. Did you get what I just said there? Many think Samson's long hair was the source of his supernatural strength. This is not the case. His strength came from the Spirit of the Lord coming on him and his yielding to that power. His hair, however, was a symbol that he was being true to his vow to the Lord. So his hair was vitally important and it needed to be there for the Lord to empower him as we'll see. You got that? So with the Nazarite vow in mind, let's look at Judges 13. Go down to verse 24. So the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. 
The child grew and the Lord blessed him. That's a good thing, isn't it? And the Spirit of the Lord, now watch this, the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him at Mahana Dan between Zorah and Estal. You need to remember that because we'll see it right at the end again. We'll need, you'll need to understand something about that. But right here at the beginning of his life, we see him blessed and the Spirit of the Lord beginning to move upon him between Zorah and Estal. All right? Now, a lesson of faith that we get from Samson is this. The Spirit of the Lord would move upon him or come upon him. Have you ever had the Spirit of the Lord move upon you? There's nothing quite like it. I first noticed it as a young boy in my living room at home. When uh, How many remembers those Hosanna tapes from way back yonder? Uh-huh. Remember those, those, those musical tapes? And, 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 and I remember it. I didn't know what, what was going on at the time, but those, 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 I would play those. And, and, and something happened to me. Something moved upon me. I didn't know what it was. And I'd just, I'd want to, I'd want to, I'd want to prophesy. You ever notice in the Old Testament with, uh, I guess it was Elisha. He'd call for a, a musician to come in and play. And the Spirit of the Lord would come on him and he'd prophesy. And I didn't know what it was. But I learned later that, that it was the Spirit of the Lord moving upon me. Right there in my living room, you see. Now, when the Spirit of the Lord moves on you, here's a lesson we learn from Samson, is you have to yield to the Spirit of the Lord. And and I'm quite convinced one of the reasons that Samson is in the list in Hebrews 11 is say whatever you will about him, because we're going to see some unsavory things in his life here as we go. But say what you will about him, he yielded to the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of God would come on him, even with, with stuff in his life going on that shouldn't be there. The Spirit, And we learn a lot about the Spirit of the Lord. He, he puts up with a lot of junk that we do, and he still works with us. And, and when there's wrongdoing and, and things we shouldn't do, he doesn't leave us just overnight. He, he stays right there with us and works with us. And, and he works with us when a lot of other people wouldn't be working with us. But the thing of it is, is that Samson yielded when the Spirit of the, of the Lord came on him. And I, I, I'm quite convinced that's why he's placed in Hebrews 11, is because he was a yielder. He was quick to yield to the Spirit of the Lord. You understand that? I've had many people over the years tell me, particularly when we had a service where the Spirit of God was moving, and, and I, I've, had, I've, had, I've had dozens and dozens of people tell me over the years, Oh, Pastor Terry, I just felt something move on me, and I just wanted to shout. And I said, Well, why didn't you do it? I don't know. See, what was that? That was the Spirit of the Lord moving on them. And what did they not do? They did not yield. Oh, I just wanted to, I just, when that, when that testimony was given of that person being healed, and, and, and I just felt something, something, I just, I just wanted to just, just, just do a little dance. Well, why didn't you do it? I don't know, I just didn't. See, they didn't what? They didn't? I'm telling you what, if you want to be used by the Lord, you're going to have to, when He moves on you, you're going to have to, you're going to have to yield. Oh, I just, Pastor, I just, 
at that, that quiet moment came right at the end of worship, and I just had something bubbling on the inside. I just, I just felt like I, 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 I had a message in tongues, or, or I, had a, I had a prophecy. Well, why didn't you give it? I, I don't know. They didn't give it. What did they not do? They did not. Because, see, it takes faith to step out and yield. You understand that? So, with that said, let's continue with his life now in Judges 14. It says here in verse 1, I'm going to read several verses, but it's a good thing to read the Bible in church. Judges 14 says, Now Samson went down to Timnah. Now, I want you to underline went down. Because we're going to see... That even while the Spirit of the Lord was moving on Samson, because of his lack of morality in his life, he kept going down. He kept going down. Even though the Spirit of the Lord was moving on him and he was doing some mighty things for God, because his morality, his moral life was so bad, he kept going down. And we're going to see this, this, this go, he went down. He went, do you ever notice Jonah, when God, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, rise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it. How many remembers that, Jonah? And he went and did the opposite, and the Bible said he went down. It, there's several times, he went down. See, when you disobey God, you're going to be going down. Even while God, it, it appears as God's blessing you and the people would look in and see that God's using you wonderfully, but yet you're going down. Now we'll see this as, as we go through here. Now notice he goes down to where? He goes down to Timnah. Now if you're taking notes, Timnah, there's, there's two meanings of the word Timnah, but Nelson's Illustrated Bible Dictionary the Hebrew meaning of the word timna means a holding in check. A holding in check. I like to call timna the place of the check. What do I mean by that? Have you ever gone to do something and there was a check right on the inside that you shouldn't do it? Yes or no? And, Tim, and, and so, so he goes to timna... Samson goes to Timnah, and, and, and I call it the place of the check, and, and we'll see, we'll see why, why it's significant in his life here in just a moment, but let me just tell you this if you're taking notes. If we continually violate the place of the check, we will eventually wind up in the place of the stronghold. How many of you know strongholds don't, you don't get in a stronghold overnight, do you? It, it can take years of violating just right on the inside, don't do that. Don't do that. You know if you violate the don't do that's long enough, the thing that you shouldn't be doing bothers you less and less and less? Until you can get to a place where the thing you shouldn't be doing, you can do it and it doesn't bother you at all. Did you hear me? And that's what happened here with Samson is he violated this place of the check. He went to Timnah we see he's going down. And notice, he saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, the Philistines were God's, they were en enemies to God's people. 
Remember Goliath was a what? An uncircumcised Philistine, that giant. We talked about him. So the Philistines were the enemy. And he saw a woman there, Samson, of the daughters of the Philistines. So he went up, verse 2, So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore get her for me to be a wife. Now, now, now that's not a good thing, is it? Then his father and mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all my people that you must go and get a wife from this uncircumcised Philist- from the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she pleases me well. Now, he violates this place of the check, and now he's wanting a woman that he shouldn't really be having anything to do with. Are you okay? Now there's a curveball coming here in this next. There's a curveball coming. Verse 4 But his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord. Uh oh. That God was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines. See, the Philistines were God's enemy, they were the enemy of God. They set themselves against God, and uh, they were against God's people. And. The Lord was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines. And verse 4 says, his, Samson's father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord. Now, people have asked me over the years, they, they say, Pastor Terry, explain this verse to me. I cannot explain it to you. We know that Samson shouldn't be looking for a wife among the Philistines. We know the Bible says that we're not supposed to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Is that right? between a, a, a man and a woman looking to be husband and wife. Is that right? So, so it appears to violate other verses. And all I can tell you is, and this is, what are we teaching on? What, what, we're teaching on the subject of faith. And there are some things in the Bible that God has people do on occasion here and there that I don't understand why God did it. It makes no sense to me. It's like, there was a prophet in the Old Testament, I think it was Hosea, and God told him to marry a prostitute whose name was Gomer. Remember that? Yes. Now, now it, it, it seems to violate things. It's things that I don't, I, I don't understand. But here's the thing. It takes faith on our part to trust God in these unique situations. Do you understand that? It takes faith in our part to trust God in unique situations like this where it appears to defy other verses in the Bible and to know that what God is allowing is right. Are you okay? Why would God tell Hosea to marry a prostitute? Well, he did it because he was trying to... Hosea was a prophet and he was using that to show Israel of their sin. And so it was a unique situation. Now, God will never violate his word. We understand that. But sometimes, like Rahab, how many of you know she lied concerning the spies? Did she not? Now, God doesn't condone lying, does he? But yet she's in, she, she, she's, I think, in Jesus' lineage. And, 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 and I think she might even be listed in the Hall of Fame of Faith. I'm not sure. I'd have to go read, read it again. But 
God doesn't condone wrongdoing. He doesn't just sweep it under the rug. I mean, but, but, but yet there's reasons that God does things. And it takes faith on our part, even though we don't understand, to just say God did it. And if God did it, it's right. And just leave it there. Can you say amen? amen. You okay? Amen. So God, see, God sees the bigger picture. He sees things that we can't see. Now, like right now, we're seeing that he's going to marry this Philistine woman. And, and, and we don't understand why, you know, because I'm thinking, well, he shouldn't be doing that. And, and, and he shouldn't, but yet God, it's, doesn't the Bible say it was of the Lord? Now, now, what would be wrong is for somebody to take that verse and pull it out and say, well, Samson did it, so I'm going to go marry somebody that's not saved. Now, that's wrong, isn't it? We, we shouldn't do that. These, these special, unique situations are reserved for Bible situations. But we need to realize this woman that he's about to marry, see, we, God sees the big picture. We're going to see in a moment, see, if we stop right here, we might be scratching our heads. God used this as an occasion against the Philistines. But we're going to see in just a moment that this woman, you know how she wound up? She got burned to death. So you see, you got to see the end of a thing. Are you okay? So having said all that, look at verse 5. So Samson, now what are those next two words? See, it, it, he was, his morals were very, very unscrupulous. Went down. And you need to realize something that... Like, 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 have you ever, I, I don't know how else to say this other than use examples, but, but like many years ago, back in the 80s, there were some ministers that were, were just the biggest ministries in the land, big television ministries, biggest in the land, just, just spreading the gospel all over the world, God using them greatly. Those of you who remember back that far, but... And it looked like everything they touched turned to gold. But the next thing you know, one was, it was revealed that he was frequenting prostitutes. And then was caught and then did it again. And another one, similar things and, and doing things wrong with money and whatnot. And they went down, didn't they? Didn't they? But yet... To my knowledge, the both of them have repented and God's using them still today to some degree. Just because we miss it, God doesn't throw us, a, 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 he doesn't throw us under the bus. You know, if we'll repent, he'll continue to work with us. Isn't that wonderful? Are you, I'm not boring you all, am I? Are you, you, you okay? It's going to get very interesting here in just a moment. So he's going down. Now watch this. So he goes down to Timnah and his father and his mother, with his father and mother, and they came to the... And what? So now he's in the place of the check. He's in Timnah. And the next thing you know, we find him where? At the vineyards. We put it in some... In a, I'll say it so you can understand it. He's over at the bar. Now... One of his points to his Nazarite call is no wine or strong drink. Is that right? And now we see him over at the bar. 
Now, to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him. Well, if you go where you're not supposed to be, there's some things going to come up and surprise you. Huh? Is that right? Like if you went into a bad neck of the woods here in St. Louis, I mean, and there's some bad necks of the woods down, if you get down into the city, is that right, in certain places? You go down there, I mean, you know, like South St. Louis, North St. Louis, I mean, you could wind up with somebody sticking a gun in your, in your, in your face. Is that right? So you, you don't want to go places you shouldn't be going, Right? And to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him. And watch this, verse 6. The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. He tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat. Is he yielding to the Spirit of God? Though he had nothing in his hand, but he did not tell his father and mother what he had done. Now, he didn't tell his father and mother what he had done. Now, look at verse 7. Then he what? He... He keeps going down, does he? He went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. After some time, when he returned to get her, he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, and behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the carcass of the lion, and he took some of it in his hands. Now you're thinking, well, what's so bad about that? What's one of the points of his, his call, his vow? He's not supposed... Huh? And not only not touch, but he's not supposed to even come close to one. And now he's not only close, but he's touching. Did you ever think about that? And he went along eating. When he came to his father and mother, he gave, them, he gave some of the honey to them. And so they also ate. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. Why? Because he knew it was wrong. So his father went down to the woman, and Samson gave a feast there for young men, young men and women used to do so. Notice verse 11. And it happened when they saw him that they brought 30 companions to be with him. Then Samson said to them, let me pose a riddle to you. If you can correctly solve and explain it to me within seven days of the feast, I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothing. But if you cannot explain it to me, then you shall give me 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothing. Dear friends, that's gambling. I said, that's gambling. So they said to him, pose your riddle that we may hear it. So he said to them, out of the eater came something to eat, out of strong came something sweet. Now for three days and nights, they, they, they could not explain the riddle. Now, now, you see, you read right over this, but watch this. He's talking about the honey that came out of that lion. He's jesting and joking concerning his sin and making light of his sin. We shouldn't jest and joke about sin. There's nothing funny about it. The wages of sin is death. We shouldn't jest and joke about sin.
We shouldn't wear it as a badge of honor. Well, you know, I was just such a horrible sinner, but, you know, I'm just like the rest of you all, and we can all relate. Uh, No, 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 no. If I've done wrong, I'm sorry for it. It's a despicable thing. I've repented. It's nothing to be celebrated. I had a guy come to me many, 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 many years ago, and he said, I can't relate to you, Pastor Terry. He said, he said, uh, you've only uh, had sex with one woman. That was with your wife after you got married. He said, I can't relate to you. He said, I have to go listen to a preacher that's, you know, that slept with almost every woman in town. Now, how do you, I mean, I think there ought to be some, some reward for being celibate till you get married. But that's the kind of stuff I've had to listen to over the years. I can't relate to you because you lived holy. I've got to go find me a preacher that's slept with almost every woman in town. Sin should not be joked about. There's nothing funny about it. Now, we're all sinners. We've all missed it. But we should rather mourn over those things, not celebrate them. Can you say amen? And so he's jesting concerning his sin. Now, let me just tell you this. They could not solve the riddle, and they got Samson's wife to get the answer out of him. She nagged him. She just, she bore him. She nagged him. She just, she manipulated him. And Samson could be easily manipulated by women. And, and she did through manipulating him, so on and so forth. So, so Samson finally told her what the answer to the riddle was. It had to do with the, the lion and the honey. So Samson lost the bet. He had to pay off. And this was, per, this was not just some old clothes. I mean, this was substantial clothing. This was nice clothes. This was a substantial bet that they made. So Samson lost the bet. He had to pay off. And in an angered state, look at verse 19. This is Judges 4, 14, 19. Then this, now, now, now look at this. Right in the middle of this, this, this bad stuff he's doing is God still working with him. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily And he went down to ask... No, he went where? He went what? He went... He keeps going down, doesn't he? Even though God's mightily using him, he keeps going down. And he goes down to Ascalon. And that word Ascalon means it's a place of weights. 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 If you violate the place of the check, you're going to eventually wind up in a weighty place. A place of weights where you're starting... He's starting to be weighted down. And he doesn't realize it. It's a terrible thing to get in a place in your life where you're being weighted down and you don't even realize it. That happens to a lot of people. But the Spirit of the Lord came on him. He went down to Ashkelon and he killed 30 of their men, took their apparel, and gave the changes of clothing to those who had explained the riddle. Now think about this. Just think about this. He goes down. The Spirit of the Lord comes on him. He goes down and he kills 30 guys and takes their stuff to pay off a gambling debt. That's not good, is it? Now, people have asked me, what the Spirit of the Lord came on him. Let me read my notes. Listen to this. This, now, oh, get a hold of this. This is not the Spirit of the Lord coming on Samson for Samson to do wrong, but rather, Samson is misusing his great power that came from the Spirit of the Lord to do wrong. Mm-hmm. 
committing murder and paying off a gambling debt. This is very subtle, but you need to understand this was something, the Spirit of the Lord was on him. And, 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 and the Spirit of the Lord would come on him and, and he would yield. But how many of you know the Spirit of the Lord is not going to come on us to direct us to do wrong? Is that correct? But the anointing can be on our life and the anointing was on his life and this was not the Spirit of God coming on him, promoting him or prompting him to do wrong, but rather Samson was misusing, in this case, he was misusing his great power that came from the Spirit of the Lord to do wrong. And that's a terrible place to be in. When someone with a calling on their life, anointed by God, and they use that that ability and that anointing to do something that's wrong. Very sobering statement right there. We should always use what God gives us to do right. An example. I shouldn't stand up here and use the the ability I have to get money out of you, should I? But yet preachers have done that. And other things we could say. Is that right? Think about that. His anger was aroused. He went back to his father's house. And Samson's wife was given to his companion who had been his best man. Now things aren't turning out too good. Now his wife is given to the best man. Are you okay? Now look at Judges 15. We're going to go there in just a moment. Now let me just tell you what happens. So some things transpire. I'm speeding this up for the sake of time. Samson ties 300 foxes together and sets them on fire and he turns them loose. Now think about that. You get 300 foxes tying their tails. You have to have the Spirit of the Lord on you and some strength to do that, I suppose. And he sets them loose in the grain fields and the vineyards of the Philistines and burns up their, their, their fields and, and so forth, and their grain and vineyards. And as, if you, as you read in Judges 15, because of this, Samson's wife, that Philistine, she winds up burned. They burn, the Philistines come and burn her and her dad. See, the Spirit of the Lord is still coming on him, but there's some bad stuff going on around him, and, and he's going which way? Is he going up or down? down. And then in Judges 15... Because he did, he, he, he did this thing and, and, and the Philistines were all stirred up and so forth. Notice something else happens here. Judges 15, verse 15, Samson finds a fresh jawbone of a donkey. Now, you've, we've all heard how Samson took the jawbone and, and killed a thousand Philistines. We've heard that in Sunday school and that's all correct. But notice he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey reached out his hand and took it and killed a thousand men with it. Is he supposed to be touching that jawbone? It's violating his call, isn't it? And then in verse 16, he said, With the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, I have slain a thousand men. Do you see some pride there? In boasting about his sin. Now we move to Judges 16. In the process of time, Samson went to Gaza. Now you need to understand this. Gaza 
means stronghold. In Nelson's Illustrated Bible Dictionary, it means stronghold. So if you violate the place of the check, you'll wind up eventually in the place of the weight. You, and you, you keep going, you're going to eventually wind up in a stronghold. Now right now, this isn't going to look like a stronghold, but we're going to see in a moment that it is. Because he's in the middle of a stronghold, but he's going to experience a great victory. But in the process of time, we're going to see that this is going to wind up in great, a great stronghold in his life. Now watch this. Verse 2. Well, let's finish verse 1. He, he goes to Gaza and he sees what there? That's not good. A harlot there and he went into her. And I don't think he went into her to have tea and cupcakes. We all know what he did. Verse 2. When the Gazites were Told Samson has come here. They surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They were quiet all night, st- saying, "In the morning, at daylight, we'll kill, we'll kill Samson." And Samson laid low till midnight. Then he arose at midnight. Now the Bible doesn't say that the Spirit of the Lord came on him, but he, but he did because he took hold of the doors of the gate of the city. And the two gateposts, he pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulders, and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Is that, does that take superhuman strength to do that? Is the Spirit of God still with him? Yeah. Now you say, well, this is in Gaza. You said it was a stronghold. Looks like he's got a great victory here. Well, just hold on a minute. Verse 4, afterward it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of... Boy, he's got women everywhere, doesn't he? You can see why I wondered why he's in, the, in Hebrews 11. Afterward it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek. Now what you don't realize, but you need to know, the valley of Sorek produced the most intoxicating wine of all. Did you get what I just said? The most intoxicating drink of all was produced in the valley of Sorek. And this lady's name was what? It was Delilah. Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him. Find out where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him and afflict him. And every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies and, and, and with what you may be bound to afflict you. And Samson said to her, If they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, then I'll, I'll become weak and be like any other man. Is that the truth or is that a lie? Is he lying? He's lying, isn't he? So the, and he shouldn't have been with her. And he's lying. And he's, in, he's, he's where the most intoxicating drink of all is produced. Now watch this. The lords of, verse 8. The lords of the Philistines brought up for her seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried. She bound him with them. Now I'm going to contend to you because I think it will bear itself out. I think she did this when he was passed out drunk. Now, now... Men were lying in wait, staying with her in the room. Now, how are they going to get in there if Samson's not passed out? And she said to him, The Philistines are on you, Samson. 
But he broke the bowstrings as a strand of yarn breaks when it touches fire. Is the Spirit of God still on him? So the secret of his strength was not known. Then Delilah said to Samson, Look, you've mocked me and told me lies. She even knows he's lying. Now please tell me what you may be bound with. So he said to her, If they bind me securely with new ropes that have never been used, then I shall become weak and be like other men. Is he still lying? Therefore Delilah took new ropes, bound him with them. Passed out drunk here again, it appears to me. And said to him, The Philistines are on you, Samson. And men were lying in wait, staying in the room. See, how are you going to get in that room? You could come in there very easily if somebody's passed out drunk. Tie them up when you're drunk. But he broke them like a thread. Is the Spirit of God still on him? Delilah said to Samson, Tell now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me what you may be bound with. And he said to her, If you weave the seven locks of my head into the web of a loom. So she wove it tightly with the batten of the loom and said to him, said to him, The Philistines are on you, Samson. But he awoke from his, I think, drunken sleep. Well, I mean, it has to be. Why, why would he let her... If, he's tell, if she thinks he's telling the truth, why, why would he let his hair be weaved like that? I think he's drunken, passed out. That's my opinion. Pulled out the baton and the web from the loom and so forth. So she does that. He puts his hair, weaves his hair. He must have had some long hair. Then she said to him, how can, how, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? I mean, she weaves his hair in verse 14. He pulls out the batten of the web from the loom, all that. And now notice verse 15. She said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times, have not told me where your great strength lies. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death. Very important here. This is what his wife did earlier about that riddle. And here's the lesson. The devil uses the same tactics on you over and over again because he knows where your weak points are. And, and, and a woman had this effect on Samson. And the devil knew that. Would you agree these people are of the devil? I mean, the devil knows what, where your, your weak points are and used the same tactic on it. Notice verse 17, that he told her all his heart and said to her, No razor has come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. He, did he know his vow or not? He knew it. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like other men. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she went and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up once more, for he has told me all his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought her the money into, into their hand. Then she lulled him to sleep, I have to say, into a drunken sleep, on her knees, and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Is he going to let that go on if he's awake? And, and, and just think about it. I say awake, but drunken sleep. If you're asleep at night, and you're not a drunken sleep, but you're just asleep at night, is somebody going to, no, no, don't be funny with me now, is somebody really going to be able to come in there and cut your hair off if you're just in a regular sleep? Wouldn't it take a drunken sleep? 
I, I don't mean just come in and cut a little. I mean, they shaved him clean. You, you understand what I'm saying? You'd have to be drunken, passed out. She began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, the Philistines are on you, Samson. Saddest verse in the whole Bible. We're about to read, in my opinion, one of the saddest. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. He was taking the gifts and the calling of God for granted. I can do whatever I want. I can live however I want. He's always been there, and I can just do whatever I want. Don't make no difference because he's always going to be there. Talking about God. But he did not know he had become so spiritually insensitive. He did not know that the Lord had departed from him. That ought to have all of our complete attention. See, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of the Lord would come on him and the Spirit of the Lord would come on and depart. Remember Saul, the king? The Spirit of the Lord was on him and then departed. Remember that? And David, when he had sinned, he cried out and said, God, take not thy spirit from me. Remember that? See, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would, would, would come and go. We, we live under a better covenant. The Spirit of God comes in us. He never leaves us. But while the Spirit of the Lord may never leave us, God still might, at times, if we play with sin long enough, he might very well not leave us, but take his hand of protection off of us. And believe me, you don't want God taking his hand of protection off of you. This is what happened in 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, when that man was sleeping with his stepmom. How many, how many remember that? You remember that? And, and, and the Bible said, turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved. See, God's concerned about our spirit being saved. But see, you, you get out and play with sin long enough, eventually the spirit of God, he'll, he, he won't leave you, but the hand of protection, God's hand of protection will come off you. I'm not saying this to scare people. I'm just saying that it's something that can happen. And then you're wide open to the devil's attack. But like that guy in 1 Corinthians, he repented and, 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 and he got back in. So see, what's God's motive when he, when, when he would remove his hand of protection? It, it's for us to what? To ultimately what? To repent. And this is what happened to Samson. The Spirit of God left him. And now he's open game for the enemy. And notice what happens in verse 21. The Philistines took him and put out his eyes. Think about that. And brought him, brought him, brought him what? Down to where? Gaza. Now he doesn't have the, the gate on his shoulders in great power. Now he's there with his eyes plucked out in the stronghold where he had that great victory earlier, but not now. No victory now. They bound him with bronze fetters, and he became a grinder in the prison. Think about that. Think about that, dear friends. And you see, Samson did many things, self-inflicted things to bring himself down, but now the devils got in there ultimately and brought him down. Samson was his own worst enemy. 
When Elvis Presley died, they questioned his bodyguards and the people around him. And I'll never forget it. They said, if you loved Elvis so much, why didn't you protect him? And the one guy answered that quick and he said, if, he said of course you say loved him and protect him. He said, how do you protect a man from himself? Dear friends, in the covenant we live under and even the old covenant, the devil couldn't have touched Samson if Samson wouldn't have brought himself down. And many times we are our own worst enemies. We do things that open us up to an attack of the devil. But there's some good news in verse 22. And while we just had some of the Saddest news in the Bible, now one of my most favorite, most victorious verses in the Bible. His hair began to grow again after it had been shaven. Isn't that good news? His hair began to grow again after it had been shaven. So even though there's great defeat here now, the hair begins to grow again, begins to grow again. Now let's finish this up. Verse 23, Now the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon their God and to rejoice. And they said, Our God has delivered into our hands Samson our enemy. When the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God has delivered into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land, and the one who multiplied our dead. So it happened, when their hearts were merry, they said, Call for Samson that he may perform for us. Now, now I, I don't know what he, if he sang or danced, I don't know. But, but you see, he's a circus act for the devil right now, isn't he? So they called for Samson from the prison, and he performed for them, and they stationed him between the pillars. Then Samson said to the lad who held him by the hand, Let me feel the pillars which support the temple so that I can lean on them. Now the temple was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there, about 3,000 men and women on the roof watching while Samson performed. Then Samson called to the Lord saying, O Lord, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me. Strengthen me just this once. Do you see repentance here? I do. I do. I see repentance. O oh God, that I may be with one blow, take vengeance on the Philistines from my two eyes. And Samson took hold, verse 29, of the two middle pillars that supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one on his right, the other on his left. Then Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might. Dear friends, he's pushing in faith, and his weakness right here is turned into strength. Can you say Amen. amen. And the temple fell. Do you see that his hair began to grow? He, he was repentant. And now do you see the Spirit of God's come back on him? Isn't that wonderful? Yes. He didn't die and go to hell, did he? No. He repented right there. And the power of God, the Spirit of God came back on him. It had to because he pulled those pillars down. And the temple fell. And the lords of all the people of the Philistines who were in it, so the dead that were killed in his death were more than was killed in his life. Think about that. Even in something so terrible, God still furthered his people right in the middle of something so terrible as all the things Samson did. God, God has a way of working things out, doesn't he? And his, now watch this. And his brothers and all his father's household came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between, between where? Zorah and... Where, where the Spirit of the Lord began to move him all those years ago, now, listen to me, now he's dead. In my opinion, died young 
and never did, in my opinion, never did fulfill the full plan and will of God that God had for his life. There's no way he could have fulfilled the, living the way he did. Think of all he did accomplish. Think of all that he could have accomplished. And I believe he's dead young and dead out of the perfect will of God. And where the Spirit of God once moved him, now he's buried young, out of the will of God, but yet he made heaven. Isn't that wonderful? Out of the perfect will of God, certainly. Samson was a person with great potential who fell short because of his sin and disobedience. Mighty in physical strength, he was weak in resisting temptation. His life is a clear warning against the dangers of self-indulgence and a lack of discipline. Yet he's listed in the Hebrews as a hero of faith and the lesson we should learn among all these others. Did you get a lot of good lessons out of it? He yielded to the Spirit of God. Stand with me if you would. Preached a little long, but that's okay. I think it was interesting. All right. Now, 